and we're glad to have Kelly and Alyssa here. Um, Kelly told me this morning that they are they're planning to go to back to Nepal on March 9th. And they're pretty sure that they can get in, but it's not totally, absolutely certain yet. But that's how they travel. <laughs> they just go when they think they can, right? But we're, we'll be praying for you and um, just praying that you can get back to helping all those people that need your help there in such a vital ministry. So, let's pray before we begin look into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us, for helping us through this uh, weather that we've been through. Uh, we thank you for the snow. We thank you for what it does to the ground. Uh, we thank you for the comfort that we enjoy in, in our society. And Father, we pray that you would now open our eyes to your word. We thank you for the songs that we can sing and the worship that we can give because you're so worthy. And now we pray, Lord, that you would teach us and help us and, and help us to grow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I became a Christian as a young adult, there were, well, partly because of the person who led me to the Lord, and then other reasons, but there were other people that I had gone to high school with or knew as I was going to high school, or just people around, you know, our area, about our age, anywhere from high school to college age, were coming to the Lord. And so it was kind of an exciting time to see other people come to the Lord as, as I was and some of my friends were. But, you know, none of us were, you know, the oldest of us were college age, and it was a concern to the parents and family members of all of us who had all of a sudden picked up this new religion. And so they were concerned about, you know, don't let them take control of you. Don't let them, you know, don't give them your money, you know, that sort of thing. And they were all concerned because of, you know, they really didn't know anything about this new faith. Most of the families were real decent families, church-going families, but they didn't know about rebirth in Jesus Christ or coming to faith in Christ and becoming a new person. They didn't understand that at all. So all they saw was this, these dangers about people trying to use us. And Then there were those instances, those sensational instances back then where some deranged you know, leader or some deranged person would take off and go down to South Texas or California with starting a commune and, and you know, these cults that were going on. And so there was that fear in there. And so we would get these warnings uh, as we talked at our Bible studies from parents and from friends and from brothers and sisters, warnings about you know, be careful of this, don't let them do this. But they, they were all because people didn't know what it was to 
to become a Christian in the way we were talking about. But this morning, we're going to be looking into a very strong warning to some new Christians in the Bible. But this time, the warning doesn't come from a concerned parent. This warning comes from an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the warning he gives to these new Christians that he's talking to, this warning is very, very crucial for Christians. In fact, it's a warning that Christians really need to hear today. They've always needed to hear it, and now we need to hear it today again. But it might not be one that we think of very often. And that's when it can become most crucial. But we've been in the book, the letter of Peter, the second letter of Peter. He's been writing to these new converts to the Christian faith. And basically in Second Peter, what he's telling them is he's trying to show them how not to be empty shells of Christian thought, Christian, a Christian in name only. He wants them to become strong, effective, vibrant followers of Christ who make a big difference for God. And what he tells them at the beginning of the letter is to make every effort to confirm your calling as Christians. To confirm your calling and election as Christians. Make every effort as believers in Christ. And he says, get to, go, get to know God personally and intimately. Through his word. Through, um, you know, prayer. Time spent with God. Through fellowship. Through serving. He says, build your faith by adding these Christian character qualities to your faith. Your faith is trust in, in Christ for your salvation. But then he said you had to build up your faith and become strong by adding goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance. And then he says, if you continue to confirm your calling, you will avoid stumbling in the faith and you will receive a rich welcome into the, the future kingdom of Christ, the eternal kingdom of Christ. So what he's giving them is the difference between becoming useless in the Christian faith, kind of empty, and being welcomed richly into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, rewarded with a rich welcome. And then Peter says, as he goes on in the letter, he says, well, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying, I want so badly for you to receive this rich welcome into the kingdom and not to stumble that I'm never going to quit reminding you as, far as, as, as long as I'm living to dig deeper into your faith, to keep investing in your faith, to keep growing in your faith, to be adding to your faith, to confirm your calling and election in Jesus Christ, to confirm that you are a believer that you are walking with God. And he says to them, here's what he says, if you would have seen what I saw on the mountain that one day, when Jesus, I'm paraphrasing again, and Jesus took three of us up on the mountain, and before our very eyes, he was transfigured into this glorious, powerful, majestic being. And it's the way he's going to return to the earth. They were seeing a vision of how when he returns to the earth, 
to defeat the kingdoms of the world and to set up his eternal kingdom. The kingdom that he plans to welcome us into. And Peter is saying, if you could have seen what I saw, you would not want to miss it for anything in the world. And then he said, and if you would have heard the voice that we heard when God the Father spoke to us, and he said, this is my son, the son whom I love, listen to him. And he said, and we heard that from the ground because we fell face down on the ground. The voice knocked us down. He says, if you would have seen what we saw and heard what we heard, you would give up anything to follow Christ. And you would keep your eyes totally on his return. You would never risk missing out on the future coming glory of Christ and the kingdom that he's going to set up. And then Peter goes on to say, and on top of all that, we have the trusted scriptures. We have the prophecies from the prophets of old of the coming kingdom. Those prophecies were given to the prophets through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Trusted scriptures. The scriptures we've had for millennia. So really, suffice it to say that Peter is excited about what lies ahead for the one who chooses to follow Christ. The true believer will never be put to shame in the end because our hope is so solid, so firm. It's beyond any reasonable doubt and is absolutely trustworthy and it's going to be beyond anything that we can think of on this earth. But Peter also has a warning for his people. Now, not like the warnings I mentioned at the beginning where they're telling us to watch out, don't let them do this. His warnings are different. It comes in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. And I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. And you follow along as I read and listen to these warnings. But there were also false prophets among the people. So he just talked to them about the prophets of old, prophesied about the coming kingdom. And, and that was fantastic. These prophecies that they've been leaning on, living on, looking for, praying about. He goes, but there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, even denying Christ who paid, who redeemed them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Excuse me. Many will follow the depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you, take advantage of you with fabricated stories, Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So there's the warnings from Peter. He just finished talking to them about the prophets of old and how trustworthy those prophecies were. 
And then he springs this heavy warning on them about false prophets and false teachers. And they come into the church with ulterior motives. <clears throat> and they come to steer people away from the truth. And they have their own secret agenda. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, heresies that destroy, heresies that tear down faith, heresies that take apart a church. Secret agenda to promote destructive heresies, even to the point of denying the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation message. Now, <clears throat> I went through and I looked up kind of a list of when the apostles or teachers were talking to them about, warning them about destructive heresies. And I just did a smattering. I didn't do anywhere near all that were there. But I'm just going to read you a smattering of these warnings to the New Testament church churches about false teachers coming into the church. And I'm not going to put them up there, but just listen to this. Jesus said... Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. That's in Matthew 24. In Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul, as he gathers the Ephesian elders, saying his goodbye to them, the church leaders, he says, Savage wolves will come and not spare the flock, even from your own number, the Ephesian elders. Men will arise and distort the truth. In Galatians, Paul says, <clears throat> <excuse me. clears throat> Evidently, some are throwing you into confusion to pervert the gospel of Christ. In Philippians, Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. <clears throat> In Colossians, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. In 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says, Don't be deceived by those who say the day of the Lord has already come. To Timothy, Paul says, Command certain people not to teach false doctrines or devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies. <clears throat> then in Jude's letter, he tells his readers, Contend for the faith, for some have secretly slipped into your into your uh, congregation. Some false teachers. <clears throat> so, he says they'll introduce destructive heresies. These heresies will tear apart the gospel of Christ. And you know, we're seeing those today. We're seeing people deny that there's a hell. We're seeing people deny that, that God sent his son to the cross. And these are people that were preaching the truth. And now they don't believe the Bible. <clears throat> he says bringing swift destruction on themselves doesn't mean like as soon as they say it, you know, there's destruction. It means like when God decides, when it's his time, boom. It's sudden. The, he says those who uh, do this they have their own motives, their own, uh, you know, agendas. Now, the sad part here is <clears throat> many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth 
into disrepute. So that's the sad part is that these teachers get many to follow them. The false teachers will gain a significant following and that will affect the ministry of the church. You know, the church, the uh, church at large. And these false teachers, they will gather unsuspecting people and take them into false, harmful doctrine that will confuse the clear gospel message. And we're seeing that go on today. But it says here they will also lead them into depraved conduct that will bring the truth of the gospel into disrepute. So as they teach them false doctrines, they also take them on false pathways you know, away from holiness, away from living right, and that hurts the message of the gospel. <clears throat> you know, in our day, we have seen in our society, our American society, we have seen, if you've been around for a good while, long-held Christian beliefs in the area of morality, you know, being pushed aside as our society moves further and further away from a belief in God, a belief in the Bible. You know, first they're kind of ignored, and then the, the values are transgressed, then, as, then all of a sudden they're attacked as evil. Parts of the Bible are attacked as evil. And the further our society moves away from long-held Christian morality, you know, the more our society becomes obsessed with this wrong way of living, the more it kind of seeps into the church. Because you're kind of like, it's the ocean you swim in. And that brings the gospel message into disrepute. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, Christians who hold to the truth are now the enemies of the truth, according to some people. And that's Satan's ploy, isn't it? He's trying to turn everything around backwards so that Christians are seen as the bad people and seen as the uh, people who don't like others, who want to control others. And those who are actually doing the controlling and taking people the wrong way, they're seen as the good people. You know, we're talking about issues of Christian morality. And we're talking about things like sexual relationships outside of marriage, outside of the marriage bond. You know, that has changed over time, the beliefs about that. Gender, to belie gender beliefs we're seeing that go directly against Scripture. Unnatural unions that the Bible denounces, but our society exalts as heroic. Peter warns his followers about them. Those who would intentionally try to bring heretical beliefs and immoral practices into the church. And you know, it's been going on, as we read, right from the beginning of the church. Because Satan wants to destroy the witness of the church. And he works through deception. He doesn't come in full costume. He comes as something else. And he comes as somebody nice. <clears throat> And he usually does it one small step after another. And now you look, there are whole Christian denominations that decades ago were out witnessing and bringing people to Christ and starting churches, and now they don't even believe the Bible. They don't believe that Christ died for our sins. 
And they go against exactly what the Bible says. And these were churches that had sterling ministries, life-saving ministries. So Peter's letter today is a warning to us that we must cling to the Word of God. No matter where our society goes, we must be tethered to the Word of God and always make our decisions upon that. Because beliefs in, a, in the society, morals, standards, right and wrong, they rise and fall, don't they? <clears throat> they just kind of go with the thought of the ages. But we have this solid, never-changing Word of God that has been true for millennia. And that word leads to eternal life. And when you see somebody come to Christ, like probably everybody has, it changes their whole life, doesn't it? It gives them a solid ground to stand upon. It puts them in right relationship with God. It leads to forgiveness of sins, and people are freed. It brings us unchanging truth. That firm foundation that we must hold on and stand strong. What I've seen over these last years, I've seen people turn away from the truth because they have these friends who are not living in the truth. And they don't want to disappoint their friends. They don't want to say to their friends that they're wrong. They they, They think it's not loving to tell them when they think they're making a mistake. So... In verse 3, he says, he's talking about these false teachers. He says, in their greed, teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. So they take advantage of you with made-up stories. They come in with totally ulterior motives. Fabricated stories for exploitation. Some people just operate that way, don't they? I mean, they just make it up in order to get what they want. They they may want a following, so they exaggerate. They may want people to just lift them up and be somebody important, so they make it up. They want something from you, so they treat you nice to win you over. And then there are people who just want to control. That's just in them. They just want to control. But he says in the last part of the verse, their condemnation has been long hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. What he's saying there is, you know, they're committing these acts against God, against the gospel, trying to lead people the wrong way. And you're not seeing anything sometimes, nothing bad happening to them. But the Apostle Peter says their condemnation is hanging over them. It's coming. We just don't know when. God has his timing. So God's destruction on them if they don't turn. Hopefully they turn. If they don't, their destruction is coming. So that's Peter's warning to his people. Don't go with them. Don't listen to them. Stay with the scriptures. Stay with the truth of of God's word that has been truth for thousands of years. 
Don't be taken in by false teachers who are out to exploit, who come in with ulterior motives, who seek a following in order to exalt themselves. Stay connected to the truth. No matter how winsome the person is, no matter how popular the person is, no matter how wonderful that person is in front of groups, how smart they sound, we must stay with the scriptures. In our day, we see atheists <clears throat> that kind of have circuits and write books and are interviewed and, and they have a mission just like Christians do. But their mission is to turn people away from the truth, to turn people away from the Bible. But as they keep talking, they always run into a dead end. They were talking to one, one famous atheist, <clears throat> you know, just making fun of Christianity. And this Christian asked him, this Christian scholar asked him, where did everything come from? He goes, well, there's an interesting theory. And he said that some being from another planet seeded the earth. <laughs> so that's, that's all he had. And he was one of the top scholars for atheism. And his only hope is that somebody came here from another planet and seeded the earth until people came. So it's not like they have solid answers. Now, in verse 3, it talks about their condemnation hanging over them, their destruction not sleeping. What he's saying is their judgment is certain. And I want, I want to read these verses from 4 through 9 now. He's, he's given the reason why you can say their, their destruction is certain. He says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment... And if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to, the, to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, if God had done all that to those people, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. He says that these false teachers, their judgment is certain. You know, you may, see the, you may see them profiting. You may see atheists going around writing books and becoming wealthy off of these books and gathering a following and taking people down a certain road and, and become, making a big name for themselves. But he says their judgment is certain. 
And he mentions how the angels were cast into hell. That was at the beginning, you know, when the angels rebelled, being held in chains of darkness. And he says, the wicked, the wicked ungodly in the days of Noah, they had to go through the flood. They were destroyed in the flood. He mentions the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, burned to ashes, making them an example. All these were examples of God following through on his promises to judge wickedness. And then in verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. <clears throat> now, there's, that's interesting there because he first talked about the judgment of the false teachers definitely coming and their destruction not sleeping. But in verse 9, he also brings in this fact that all those instances show that God, as he's judging the unrighteous, he can rescue the righteous. And if we look again at those historic examples that he just mentioned, each time the guilty were judged, the righteous were kept from that judgment. When he did not spare the angels, he did spare all the righteous angels, the ones who didn't rebel. As the unrighteous were judged and, and thrown into hell, the righteous ones were spared. And in Noah's day, when, the, when all the ungodly perished in the, in the flood, he saved Noah and his seven family members. And he saved them in a boat. And when God did not spare the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he saved Lot and his family. Peter points to that as proof that God can judge the wicked while rescuing the righteous on that day of judgment. So Peter wants to get his followers, his goal is to get his followers to that coming of Christ, you know, to when Christ will start setting up the kingdom. He wants them to be able to enter into the kingdom of Christ. He wants them to fully live into their faith. He wants them to confirm their calling and election and make every effort. He wants them to keep strengthening their faith so they can become stronger and stronger and their, and their faith will go deeper and their knowledge of God will be broader. He wants their Christian witness to be effective and productive. He wants them to make a difference on the earth. And he wants them to be, you know, dig into their faith and become more and more of a follower of Christ. And to steer completely clear of spiritual ruin. Not to follow along any false teachings, but be in the word of God and make sure that is your, your anchor. That is your guide. And then receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Christ. And he saw Christ transfigured before his very eyes in the way he will return to the earth. And he doesn't want to miss that. And he doesn't want his people to miss that. And he strongly warns them to watch out for false teachers. They have ulterior motives. They have a hidden agenda. They lead people to spiritual ruin. 
And they're often so persuasive. They can talk a good game. And they can make it sound like it's all for you. But it's always all for them. And you know, <clears throat> back in those days, they would have people coming into churches. You know, like as soon as Paul established the church, set it on the truth, and then he would leave, people would come in right after him and, and say, you know, they just, like somebody else fixed the meal and they come in and eat it. They come in and they just take these people as theirs and they lead them in another way. But today, you know, it's kind of different. We don't always have people coming into our church and trying to take us down a different pathway than what the pathway that we've chosen. I'm sure that happens in some places, probably in other lands it happens more often. But today, we have something different that's so much more destructive. We have TV and media and movies and, and all of that stuff that, that don't come at us and just try to talk about and say, well, this, this is what you believe is wrong. They do it in a real inviting uh, a way that's entertaining and with jokes and, and movie stars that you really like and, and are very talented and they just start taking us down a certain road where all of a sudden it's just normal for young people to live together men and women to live together that's just normal and you're kind of a an old fogey if you don't think that's, that's okay. And so they take us down that road in another way, a lot less threatening way, where our guards are down and they're telling funny jokes and you just kind of get swept into it. And today, you know, we're seeing that. We're seeing people come to church. We're seeing Christians, you know, go down that same road that they're seeing on TV. So if someone leads us away from the Bible or leads us into areas that, you know, the Bible speaks against, and what I've heard is when people start engaging in these areas that the Bible speaks against, people are afraid to speak up to them. And sometimes they themselves will turn away from that that biblical principle because they don't want to be hateful towards that friend. And you know, it's in the teachings of right and wrong. It's in the teachings of sexual activity. It's in the teachings of the marriage bond. Whether we can trust the Bible. Whether hell is real. Whether God actually created the world. All those, all those areas even Christians are starting to deny and move off into another, another belief. So, <clears throat> what we need to do, we can't just fill our minds with TV shows and different, you know, people come up with new ideas. We have to really be tied to the scriptures because it has to keep us on that pathway, that straight pathway. And as we hear those, those other messages coming in that can sound good and sound like it's loving, 
but really it isn't if they go against the scriptures. The scriptures have been true ever since they've been written. They've led people to, to freedom in Christ. They've led people to forgiveness of sins. They've put people on the right pathway where you can start to make good decisions. I see people go away from the Bible and they can't make decisions anymore. It's kind of like everything gets fogged up. So Peter says, you know, build your faith. Invest in your faith. Get to know God better. Read his word. Be in prayer. Commune with God in prayer. Fellowship with Christians. Keep each other tied to the truth. And if someone tries to take you down a new pathway by telling you it's time to make your own decisions, not to be ruled by a book, what that person is doing, I don't know even if it isn't conscious, they're trying to bring you under their control. And if that person doesn't change their tune or their direction, then their destruction is not sleeping. And so what we have to do is we have to try to rescue them from God's coming destruction. And if we follow them and walk away from the truth, we pay a heavy price. So, confirm your election and calling. Dig into the truth. Invest in your Christian faith. Keep walking in that same direction. Revere the scriptures. And then you will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these warnings that we have seen. And right from the start, Lord, the start of the church, people were trying to take people away from the truth. We know that Satan is behind it ultimately. We know that people are fooled by good-sounding messages. But we have to be committed to the truth of the Scriptures. Thank you for the Scriptures, Lord. Help us to get into them. Help us to dig deep in them. Help us to treasure them. And Lord, may we gain an understanding and may we become effective and productive in the Christian faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.